You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. We got the whole crew with us, Kip Adams, Benjamin Wall, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. We are in the second day of SEC Media Days, the first time it's been held in Nashville. And today was a big day for Georgia head coach Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. They took the stage, answered many, many questions from the media as the countdown continues to the 2023 season. Uh, we've got all of us here, had a chance to talk to Kirby, have a, had a chance to talk to the players who are here, uh, Cedric Van Pran, Brock Bowers, and Kamari Lassiter. Uh, a lot to really break down, a lot to discuss, both news and just general conversation uh, from these players uh, and the coach. Uh, we've got a nice uh, echo there in the background. Uh, I'll start with you, Kip, just generally. What did you take away from what we heard from Kirby Smart and company today? Uh, as they had a chance to come out and and talk as the two-time defending national champs. Yeah, I think, again, the message from Kirby Smart's been pretty clear that, you know, we have to self-motivate. We have to continue to motivate ourselves in in different ways every day. And, he, I mean, he made the statement that better never rests. I guess that's the off-season slogan uh, for Georgia this year. And that's that's kind of what you have to do when you're as successful as Georgia's been the last couple of years. Is never forget how you got here and what it takes to continue uh, performing at, at that level. And overall, you, you could tell that Kirby Smart's gotten more and more comfortable in the role of being part of the best program in the country. And you know, he kind of in the past maybe had a little bit of a combative, you know, if not contrarian view on how he handled a lot of his speaking. Uh, engagements, but he came out and basically owned the room, I thought, and, and came out there and presented himself and the Georgia program as the as the class, you know, of the of the sport of college football. And you just could kind of tell that he, he knows that he's aware of that, but but now he, he's kind of embracing it and, and letting everyone know that you know we're going to continue to uh, set the bar for every other program in the country. Ben, we were talking about this, uh, getting ready for Georgia to come. Uh, It's been a a few years since you've been to an SEC media days, but what did you take of what you got to hear from Kirby, sort of the message he pitched uh, to the national media uh, with a lot of attention on Georgia getting ready for this year? I mean, he definitely comes prepared with what he's going to be saying and what his message is going to be. I think that he's not alone in this, but sometimes these head coaches come here and they're not just talking to a thousand media members. They're talking to their families. They're talking to players. They're talking to recruits. I think you saw that come through a little bit with Kirby. You know, I think he 
clearly in his opening message had some statements that he was trying to make about leadership and their studies of the New Zealand All Blacks team, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about during this too. Um, but I mean, I think the big, my big takeaway from it is clearly Georgia is now seen as the cream of the crop in college football in the SEC. I think that a lot of the questions that he was asked were tailored around expectations and three-peating and all of that. And so I think probably now more than ever, he's having to face the challenge of how do I make sure that there is no complacency? How do I make sure that players are not losing sight of you know, I heard Kamari Lasseter say it about 10 times, keeping the main thing the main thing. Like, he is clearly ingrained into his team what their messages are going to be externally. And I think we saw that today from Kirby and all three players. Yeah, I think you guys hit on the biggest things to me. It seemed like Kirby was willing to, you know, cut up a little bit. You know, he, he poked fun at Eli Drinkwitz to start things. I don't know about uh, trying to avoid a filibuster. Uh, made a few jokes along the way. And um, I thought that he went in with a plan, and I think that that was not by accident. You know, I think that they were prepared uh, for a lot of eyes to be on Kirby and, and for, um, given everything that's going on this offseason, for a lot of attention to be paid to his time at the podium. And, uh, you know, I was surprised that a few things weren't really asked of Kirby at his time at the podium. You know, there really was no mention of what's been going on, as we've uh, reported somewhat with the AJC stuff. Um, no real questions about that. There was some talk about uh, the traffic, uh, really, you know, the uh, vehicle-related incidents that Georgia's had, and, and Kirby talked about that. And the biggest thing to me, he didn't get any questions about quarterback in the main room. I think there might have been in some of the other rooms he's done on the rotation. Uh, but I was very surprised. I thought there'd be a lot of conversation uh, for, for Kirby about that and how they're going to kind of handle that. Uh, but I thought he did really well. I thought that there was a lot to, to take from what he had to say. And that's one of the nice things, not only that uh, this week goes on and we can really dive into everything that was said by Kirby and the players, but, you know, all three of us can really dig into uh, what uh, the points they were making and uh, sort of what the focus is for this team going into 2023. Uh, let's sort of shift to the players. Okay. And, uh, you know, when we had a chance to talk to those guys in the main room, all three of us sort of split up had a chance to listen to what uh, Cedric Van Pran, Brock Bowers, and Mari Lasker had to say. And I'll start with you, Ben. Tell me, you know, what, what really stood out to you about what Kamari had to say. You know, a lot of expectations on him coming into this season, considered that cornerback one with the battle that's going on at the other cornerback spot. Uh, what sticks with you from what you heard from Kamari, uh, what his message, whether it was something he sort of repeated or just some of the answers he gave getting ready for this season? Yeah, well, also going back to what we were talking about before with Kirby, I'm most excited to hear what Kip has to say about how talkative Brock Bowers was because Kirby issued the challenge whether there could be more than three sentences given by Brock Bowers. So I'm excited to hear what Kip has to say about that. But, uh, I mean, Kamari Lasseter, Kirby mentioned it in his main press conference as well. Like the skull session that he had with Kamari last year where he talked about his why and his mom and everything that she sacrificed for him. I think that was probably what Kamari ended up getting asked most about. I mean, he was asked many questions about his mom and that relationship and how that's driving him and all of that. Um, probably what stood out to me the most about Kamari was him talking about his experience as a recruit. And Kirby mentioned this as well, but that was the COVID recruiting season. So every single visit that he did was virtual it was on zoom 
Georgia was really one of the last teams to offer him. And he talked a little bit more in depth just about he being a guy from Savannah, from South Georgia originally, he really wanted that Georgia offer. It was something that meant a lot to him. And so they, they hadn't offered him. He wondered what was up with them. Why were they not offering him? And so he sent them a, a video reel of him running 40s, doing lifts, ball drills, a, a lot of different things. And he said that he submitted that video to the Georgia staff and got an offer the next hour. And so I think that that was an interesting kind of insight into this group. I mean, Kirby mentioned that this class of 2021 has been really tight knit. Almost all of them have stuck around. I think 17 of 20 of that group have stuck around at Georgia throughout their careers. And, you know, Kamari Lasseter has sort of quietly become one of the more vocal leaders of that group. And I think hearing him tell that story about getting involved with coaches, having those Zoom sessions, trying to dissect one coaching staff from the other. You got some insights into him that I don't think that we've gotten in the past. And so I thought that was pretty cool. So it's not anything that's really relevant to this upcoming season or anything like that, but I just thought it was really good inside look into a guy that's going to lock down that cornerback spot for Georgia this year. When Kirby was talking about Kamari on the main stage, I think he said that, uh, you know, Kamari had sent like 800 videos. I mean, he was exaggerating, but like really you could tell that that offer meant a lot to him, that he wanted them to know what he was bringing to the table. Uh, I'll throw it to you, Kip, but were you able to uh, get some really long-winded answers for Brock? I'm assuming that when we get done with this podcast, you're just going to be sitting the rest of the day transcribing Brock because he gave you some very thorough answers and explanations. Yeah, I just looked at my uh, transcription so far, 23 minutes uh, of Brock Bowers, and I think I've gotten three sentences maybe four or five times. I'm, I'm about halfway through it right now, and usually it's just uh, three and four word answers are in, the, are in those sentences. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of deep thoughts of Brock uh, in, in that session, and honestly, spending that much time with him, you, you kind of, it's kind of like looking at, exactly probably what Kirby Smart was like just in his mentality back then when he was a player and that he's just he's self-motivated I think is you know he, he came to Georgia already on autopilot I mean you talk about Kamari Laster sending the 800 videos and and Brock was asked again about his workout videos because those are kind of the ones that made the news back then by him running up the hills I think if if there was no, you know, if COVID didn't happen, I'm pretty sure Brock would still be running up those hills regardless. I, I, that's just the type of player that he is. And, you, you know, you hear the story about Lawson Lucky and Pierce Berlin, uh cheating to uh, to beat him in, in conditioning drills, running around and sprinting, you know, up and down the field. And you hear him discuss it, and he begins and ends it by saying, I, I don't like to lose. You know, I don't like to lose in anything. And so when he sees the, you know, his teammates cheating to try to beat him, all, all he, he just says, I just ended up sprinting the whole time and, you know, and still beating them. And I think that kind of just tells you all about Brock Bowers and you know, not to take anything away from Todd Hartley. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, Todd hasn't had to coach him over the last couple of years because, you know, he gets paid a lot of money, a lot of it probably to recruit these type guys. But, I mean, Brock will tell you that, you know, he, he's become a much better player during his time at Georgia. But at the same time, uh, if Kirby's, you know, trying to motivate the team, he probably just has, you know, points to Brock and says, why don't you guys all go like Brock goes every day? I don't think that Kirby wakes up any day thinking, gosh, I hope I'm going to, you know, get 100% out of Brock today. 
you know, he's probably thinking, I, I hope the rest of the team gives me half of what Brock gives me every day. And, and so, I mean, it just says a lot about Brock, but also shows you probably how rare of a player he, he truly is. And, and for him to say that, you know, I don't know when we're going to have another Darnell Washington, but again, it comes back to the, the tight the tight end room that Todd Hartley's had the last couple of years in Georgia. It's just truly, truly exceptional. So, uh, you know, enjoy the time of Brock. I uh, can't say we, we learned a whole lot about him other than the fact that he doesn't like bugs. Um, but, again, uh, he's a special player, and it, it was definitely entertaining for, for all of us to watch him swarm up there as people continue to ask him questions. Yeah, the, you see there's a, a pretty good through line of guys that are self-motivated on these teams, and I don't think that's by accident, and Brock is definitely a good example of that. Um, I spent, I think, 20, 23 minutes with Cedric Van Pran, got to hear him answer a bunch of questions, talked a pretty good bit about accountability, even you know off the field with everything that's been going on, also on the field. Um, was really interested to hear him talk a lot about Tate Ratledge, Xavier Trust, how big that is for those guys to be coming back. I thought he gave some very thoughtful answers there. Um, and also, you know, him talking about some of the mottos of, you know, studying the soccer team, the All Blacks, and sweeping the shed and, and doing all the little things the right way. Uh, you know, he, he gave some really good answers on that, gave some good perspective on this offense that they're getting ready to play in. And, and also the quarterback, you know, he, he was asked by, uh, you know, about um, what it'll be like not having Stetson and whoever it is that's going to wind up starting, you know, the adjustments he has to make. And he was very confident, Sam. You know, he made it sound like, He's up for whoever wins that job and to be able to handle that. And, you know, I think whoever wins that, they get a huge boost by having Cedric Van Brand, a guy who has been there and done that. And uh, I thought it was really uh, revealing, really telling of Kirby talking about um, a big part of why Cedric wanted to come back was, you know, that he loves his university and that he wants to be the best player at his position. Uh, I think by the time we're talking about the NFL draft, you know, in March and April, that you're probably going to see that, that Cedric's going to be, if not the top center, one of the top centers. Um, he, he gives a great interview anytime you talk to him. This was no different. Um, I thought it was very, very interesting to hear what Cedric had to say. We're going to take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit about some of the news around Georgia at Media Day, some of the injury updates, and a pretty notable departure from the world. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back, everybody. Well, let's get to the biggest piece of news, I would say, out of Tuesday's media session. Smoke Bowie, who had transferred to Georgia from Texas A&M, very talented defensive back out of Bainbridge, Georgia, which is Kirby Smart's hometown, no longer with the program. Kirby Smart told us that earlier Tuesday morning, um, defined it, sort of described it as mutually agreeing for both sides to part ways. Uh, Smoke no longer with the team. Um, Pretty significant, you know, he was one of only three transfer additions that Georgia had, along with Dominic Lovett and Ra-Ra Thomas, uh, but he does not stick around, will not be on the team for uh, what would have been his sophomore season after starting at Texas A&M uh, last year. I'll start with you, Kip. What did you take of that news to see Smoke uh, gone before his first season as a Bulldog, and maybe where that leaves what Georgia has in the secondary going into a new season? I mean, it was clear that they had tried to make this work and put every effort into, you know, seeing if this was going to be a good fit for Smoke Bowie, and, you know, it just didn't work out. And, you know, Georgia's had some luck in the transfer portal, but they've also had some guys, you know, kind of not work out. And this is just one of those situations, you know, he would have had a, a... you know, probably a, a fairly important role on the on the team, a versatile player that can kind of play anywhere in the secondary. But it's one of those positions where if you're gonna, you know, lose a guy, they have, do have some some talented guys there. You know, you know whether it's uh, Javon Bullard, you know, Tyke Smith stepping into a bigger role this year. They they got some other guys, you know, at multiple positions. That cornerback competition, it, you know, is is one of the biggest ones in the team. So, again, uh, you, you hate to see, you know, these opportunities not work out. But uh, I think Georgia, you know, has that kind of depth for a reason. I think he was, you know, kind of a, an addition to an already stacked roster uh, that, you know, it, it just didn't work out. And a lot of people forget, you know, he was committed to Georgia at one time uh, before going to Texas A&M. So there's just a lot of variables involved. But, uh, you know, Georgia – down down one on the on on the roster now, but you know that's an opportunity for somebody else in the team to step up. Yeah, it was interesting when they added him. We sort of wondered if he could factor into one of those starting roles, and and just through spring, it didn't look like that was going to be the case, especially when he started working at corner. Uh, ben, any additional thoughts you have about Smoke's departure, and uh, any thoughts going into uh, what the secondary may look like when we get to September? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it pains Kirby. Obviously, they come from the same hometown. I'm sure that, you know, like Kip said, he recruited him once, was Georgia commit, ended up at Texas A&M, got him back. I'm sure that everybody around Athens would have liked for it to work out, but I think it's just a sign that 
you it doesn't matter where you're coming from what your status is as a prospect like you don't just walk into Georgia and play. You don't just walk into Georgia and find success. I mean, there is a, a lot of work that goes into finding that success at Georgia, and it's not the easiest place in the world to do that either. So I'm sure that, yeah, I don't think there's any hard feelings to there or anything like that. But obviously, I'm sure there's some disappointed folks in Athens that it wasn't able to work out with another Bainbridge guy. One of the big conversations with our time with Kirby was about injuries because there's a lot of players we need to check in on, see how things were looking as we close in on fall camp. Rattle through some of those. I mean, I think the biggest two were inside linebacker Smile Munden and running back Branson Robinson, both of whom wound up in boots in that last week of spring ball. Kirby basically said that they won't be full go to start fall camp. Not really clear. Uh, at this point, as far as what Kirby said, you know, what their availability will be and what that could look like once we get into the actual start of the season. Elsewhere, Kendall Milton, full health is what Kirby said. Uh, Michael Williams, who had had the foot injury and had foot surgery in the spring, uh, not full go yet, but he expects he will be by the, by the time they get to fall camp. Jalen Walker and Marvin Jones, guys that have had labrum repairs, cleared for full go. Dan Jackson is back doing everything, had that stress fracture last fall. Um, Andrew Paul, he sounded like everything is looking good with him after tearing that ACL in last fall camp. Uh, Kip, what did you think of those developments that we got on the health side of things for Georgia? Uh, where things stand and, and maybe the biggest questions you have based on what we know with the injury report uh, still a few weeks, a few weeks away from fall camp. Yeah, I mean, the season is not, you know, starting tomorrow. So they, they do luckily have some time to continue to try to get back to full health. But I think the, the, my first thought was there, there's never been a better time for Kendall Milton to be fully healthy than right now. And we, we talked about this backfield, you know, with Kenny McIntosh uh, gone to the NFL, who was going to step up and be that, you know, that feature running back or, or I guess, one of the featured running backs in, in this offense, how it's going to look without, you know, not necessarily having a, a true receiving tailback back there. But right now, the, the, you know, it's set up for Kendall Milton to kind of take on that role and, and show what he can do. And obviously injuries have kind of uh, curtailed his career so far. But, I mean, when he's on the field, uh, he's pretty productive one of the more productive running backs of the last couple of years really for Georgia. And so it's kind of it kind of reminds me of James Cook in a way when you went into that fourth year wondering are we ever going to see James Cook fully realized in this offense and and you know you did that last season and it was I mean every time he touched the ball it, it, he was as productive as any running back really ever at Georgia. And, and Kendall Milton is not that same type of player. But again, he, he's great at breaking tackles. And he brings a skill set that, I mean, we know that Mike Bobo can take advantage of because he's done it in the past. And so I, I think he's just really, really well set up there uh, to to make a ton of plays. And and now it's just up to, you know, I guess uh, the luck of of staying healthy and, and getting through a full season. Ben, what did you take away from what we learned on the injury front? And if there's any position in particular that really interests you, once we get into fall camp, what to really pay attention to because of these injuries? Well, my big takeaway is that Kirby loves the phrase full go because he either said that everybody was a full go or not a full go. So I joked yesterday that the buzzword around SEC media days was navigating because every SEC coach was saying the word navigating about 
NIL and all that. I think Kirby was the first one that didn't say navigating, but he said full go about 10 times or not full go about 10 times. But I mean, I'll be looking, obviously, like Kip mentioned, the running back position is interesting with Kendall finally being healthy with uncertainties around Andrew Paul coming back and what he's going to look like coming off of the ACL. And then obviously Branson's availability to start the year. But I would probably look at the linebacker group and I would say that sort of stems to the inside linebacker and outside linebacker room. Smile Munden. I'm sure everybody will be asking questions about Smile and what his availability is going to be. Sounds like it might take him a little bit of time to get to where they want him to be as well. But it sounds like Jalen Walker and Marvin Jones Jr. coming off of their labrum surgeries earlier in the spring that they are, to Kirby's point, a full go coming into fall camp. So, you know, I think the linebacker room has been a strength of Georgia for a long time now. I think that will continue to be the case, but just getting all of those guys healthy so that they can really deploy them, get them after the pass or drop them back in coverage, whatever it is they want to do. I think having that room as fully healthy as they can will be really important. So we've still got a few days left of media days, but uh, before we wrap up this podcast, I just wanted to ask both of you your biggest takeaways, even outside of Georgia. I mean, if there's anything that's really struck you from these first few days as we get ready for another season. Well, I can start there, Kip, because I think we might be on the same page here. Kirby brought up, uh, you know, he was asked about the tight ends and whether they would use multiple tight ends. And you know how Kirby is. He doesn't like to give answers about things that he doesn't really have to or doesn't feel like he wants to. But he, he started joking around mentioning, a seven. you know, he could throw seven wide receivers out there if that's what makes up the best 11. So I'd love to see Georgia run a seven wide receiver set just to see what, what Kirby has, you know, concocted up. But uh, in seriousness, I mean, My big takeaway is, like I said earlier, it's the first time I feel like even compared to last year that everybody is going into a season viewing Georgia as the team to beat, as the pinnacle of the sport. Every, you know, Brian Kelly mentioned that they're aiming for Georgia. Jimbo Fisher mentioned that you have to aim for teams like Georgia as well. And so I think it's really the first off season where I know Georgia battles with the complacency and they've had success, but it really feels like the first time that everybody is looking to Athens as the place that you really need to model to be successful. And so, you know, it's clearly a new, you know, not a brand new era in Georgia football because it's been happening for two years now, but it really feels like the moment has finally arrived that Georgia is the team that everybody is looking toward. Kip, how about you, um, takeaways or anything that struck you this week? It's it's funny how the how quickly the narrative can change because, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago or, you know, mo- most of the offseason, a lot of the talk has been, uh, you know, is there a culture problem at Georgia? You know, or are the wheels coming off of the program? Can Kirby Smart get this program under control? And you you get face to face with Kirby, you get him right in front of you, and no one really asks him anything about that. You know, everyone kind of, like you said, talked about Georgia as being the program that sets the bar for all the other programs, and and I just I just found that kind of fascinating that when you get in the room and you get your chance, uh, you just want to talk about how great Georgia is, and then on the flip side, Kirby usually hates things like that being brought up. And I found it funny when the when the question started that someone tried to make a seven and five joke to him, and he didn't hear it, so it completely failed. Uh, uh, you know, of of someone uh, telling them that they're going to finish seven and five. Thank you. You can tell the players because 
Kirby began the press conference by talking about back-to-back-to-back national championships on his own, you know, without anyone else bringing it up. And that's not something that he was, you know, he did in the past. In the past, he talked about, again, last season being over. But, you know, that was last season. We're focused on this season. So he's, again, embraced the fact that Georgia is the premier program and that he is just focused on doing exactly what Georgia's done the last couple years, which is playing to their standard. And that is the standard of college football. And him talking about how, you know, the the hardest games are when they practice against each other. And that's where Georgia is right now. So for Georgia fans, regardless of what happens this season, uh, embrace it just like Kirby Smart has. And, and enjoy that this era of college, you know, for Georgia fans, it doesn't get any better than, than how it is right now. I would tell everybody to keep an eye out. We're going to have stories from Georgia's day and media days, I would assume, for the rest of the week. There's a lot to write about and a lot to break down. Keep an eye out, too. All SEC team predicted order of finish from SEC media days. That will come out at the end of the week. Uh, guys got to ask and just uh, visually give me a, 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 a head nod one way or the other. Uh, who is coming out of Nashville with a new pair of cowboy boots? That doesn't look like either, doesn't look like Ben or Kip or Biden on that one. I might, I might give me a cowboy hat or something on Broadway tonight. We'll see. If I get one, it's because I'm preparing to go uh, to next year's and go to that, uh, that Major League Baseball All-Star game. So if, if that's what gets me there. Uh, then I will go right down there right now and, and buy a pair. I think that's a fair compromise there and a fair deal. Well, we're going to get out of here. I appreciate everybody who checked this out and tuned in. Got a lot of work left to do for the three of us. So we're going to get back to it. Until next time, take care, everybody. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.